Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am Liz Loza, joined by Mr. Frank Schwab. Frank, we said a couple of weeks ago when we recorded that we had never had this opportunity. And now look at the powers that be just putting us together again. It's like you ask and receive. What a way to manifest this. It's going to be like, you know, Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon to totally, completely date myself. We're oh just my going to be like, oh, first of all, that's we're, a super we're old be- rap. <laughs> I know that was super old. I, I I just tried to date myself there, but we're just gonna go into history. We're just gonna do this all the time now. It's it's gonna be Batman and Robin like that. That's okay. I don't know. We'll, how about we'll figure out a, how a about modern... Verstappen and uh, um Verstappen and and Perez? How about that? No, I'll just sit her silent. You just did a NASCAR sports book. You can't get an F one ride. I don't know that. I, yeah, well, I I did NASCAR because Chase Elliott betters got screwed over. But that's a different podcast for a different day. I'll tell you. It is. So So Frank knows all the things. NASCAR, sports book. He's got Chase Elliott's name at the top of his head. He also happens to be a University of Wisconsin grad and a giant Denver Broncos fan. So that means, of course, we will discuss Russell Wilson and the rest of the... Wait, you're not a Broncos fan. You just live in Denver? No, I don't like the Broncos. I can't, I've lived out here for 20 years and let's just say that sometimes engenders a little bit of, you know, hey, you, you live around these people all the time. You cover them for seven years. It's not a fan, but I'm ingrained in here. I mean, it's hard to live in Colorado and not live Broncos 24-7. That's, that's the team out here, even with the Avalanche winning Stanley Cup and all that. All right, but you are still a Badger fan. I'll always be a Badger fan. I'll, I'll get a, we got a couple guys. We got, we got a couple Badgers we're going to talk about. I can't wait. All right, well, let's kick things off with Kyle Rudolph, who was a two-time pro bowler with the Vikings, another nice Great Lakes state. Uh, he, after a mediocre one year with the Giants, and let's be honest, the Giants are last year was mediocre. I think that's a compliment to what the Giants were last year. He signed, Rudolph did, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a little bit of a report via Rick Stroud believing that Rudolph will, quote, inherit the bulk of Rob Gronkowski's role in the Bucks' offense. Let's, though, not forget that Cameron Brait has been in Tampa Bay since his career started many years ago. So how much are you believing in Kyle Rudolph ellipses at this point of his career? And how much do you think he's there to ease the pressure placed on Tom Brady, given the changes across the offensive line and the absence of Gronk, who we know to be an incredible blocker? You know, I, I totally trust Rick Stroud as a rep- great reporter. I know that that's what the organization wants out of Kyle Rudolph, but there are just so many tight ends that I'm more excited about down the line. Like, I mean, I'd I'd rather take a shot on Moali Cox than, than Kyle Rudolph at this point, just because I don't know what Rudolph has left. And you know what? He could get into training camp and not look great. He's signing right before camp starts. That's not often a great recipe for an older player. I see him as a bit guy at best sharing time with Braid. I don't think Braid is just going to be completely out of the mix and they even have Otten there the rookie to, to mix in I I don't know about you but I can't see really how Kyle Rudolph is overly fantasy relevant this year I especially think from a passing perspective I really do believe that he's there largely to buy time for Brady because he was known as such a, is known as such a good blocker especially at this stage in his career um I, I agree with you I'm not I think I I think I moved him up to like tight end 27. 25 in yeah, that that's range. Awesome. I love- yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe just because of the Brady factor, you're up a, 
maybe I could get them up into the high 20 or, you know, the, the, the early 20s. Mid there, to mid 20s, right? And I yeah, love that you I mentioned think- Mo Ali Cox. I just took Mo Ali Cox in the double digit rounds of um, the Scott Fishbowl, which is, has premium tight end scoring. He's my third tight end. It's just a little bit off, but I think Mo Ali Cox, I, lo- I love that you mentioned him because we're talking about like upside athleticism opportunity. There's a guy who's going in the same tier that I would much rather bet on than, you know, the red nosed reindeer. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Mo Ali Cox fan. I just think if it would have happened, it would have happened by now. But it, it was actually on top of my head because me and Mark Stopa made a side bet with him yeah. and Zach Ertz. But I, I have a ton of other tight ends. I, Irv Smith or Cole, Cole Komet or whoever it's going to be. Yeah, there are just a ton of guys you could talk yourself into, including Alberto, who we'll probably talk about later, mm-hmm. way before Kyle Rudolph. All right, let's switch gears to uh, running backs. I want to talk about James Robinson. Obviously, was with a lot of Urban Meyer's choices last year, kind of head-scratchingly faded from the offense and then obviously hurt his Achilles. It's pretty dramatic uh, injury. There's a lot of talk, in fact, around Cam Akers, whether or not a player can return from an Achilles injury. But James Robinson did not begin the Jags training camp on the active pup list. So how are we valuing him in relation to Travis Etienne, who is one of this year's like hottest dead zone options at the position? Yeah, and I think that's a good way to frame it, because for me anyway, I, I don't know about you, but Achilles to me is just an auto fade. Like I, it, mm. it, I love James Robinson as a player, I really do. But you look at the history of these guys who have suffered that injury; they just don't come back the same. It is there. There's almost no success stories. Like Dante Foreman is like the best success story so far. Cam Akers, we saw him struggle last year. Six it, months. I, six months post injury. Right. Well, well, same. I mean, James Robinson. It was late in the season. I believe it was their second to last game or something like that. So he doesn't have a very long recovery time there either. I just. Look, if James Robinson comes back and, and has another thousand yard season, I'll be happy for him because I really like that dude. I like the way he plays. I just can't, I, I can't do it. But now we're talking about is he going to be effective enough to cut into Travis Etienne's playing time? And I think the answer, we'll get more answers, to, you know, during preseason training camp. But right now, as we sit here, the answer has to be yes. The answer has to be you have to knock Etienne down a little bit because part of the appeal with him was he's the guy. Like he's going, Snoop Connor is not really taking that much off his plate. But now with Robinson back, it could be a, you know, if you're only getting 50% of the snaps out of ETN, if he's really a gadget guy, almost a third down guy, that he's just never going to you know recoup that, that value he has with his ADP right now. I mean, I think like maybe I'm worried about the touchdown value. I'm not interested in chasing touchdowns, frankly, anyway. But when I look at the rapport that ETN and Trevor Lawrence had in college, and while, yes, Lawrence has a bevy of new receiving options and the front office poured a lot of money into investing in those for him and his theoretical generational talent, there's still like rapport still matters. Chemistry still matters. And I think he, ETN will be a nice check down option. So in any PPR friendly format, I'm and also who else in that area? Like, like for me, ETN is still like a, you know, RB 22 to 25 option because you've got J.K. Dobbins, who we have question marks surrounding in terms of health. And in that range, especially in a half point PPR format, I'm going to lean on ETN and just expect there will be fewer plunges at the goal line. And so when I'm making my roster construction, try to find like a, you know, some balance there for him to, f- to find a floor to that. Yeah. And I think that's a good, it's always about price point, right? Like we, what does he cost to drafts? Is his, is his ADP going to plummet a little bit? Because if it does, it goes down a round or two. All of a sudden, I'm back in. I'm a little bit interested because you could talk yourself into the upside. This was ETN was a phenomenal prospect coming out of college. It, he he does have the juice to really be a good player, but I'm just a little more worried now than I was before James Robinson checked out healthy for training camp. Yeah, the comp the comp coming out of college was Alvin Kamara. So we'll see. You know, obviously in a very different situation offensively than Kamara was in terms of like other you know, up-tempo good ecosystem um, opportunities but um, I, I, I'm still okay with ETN I did because you mentioned an auto um, what did you call it like an auto pass on auto fade auto fade on any Achilles for running back uh-uh ain't happening Liz so not no cam acres for you I no I won't have I, I mean again price point but 
where he's going. I just didn't see the juice. Out. You look at his yards per carry last year. It's like, I love Cam Akers. Really nice guy. It's been a while talking to him in the Super Bowl last year. I, I root for guys like that, but I just, I don't know. I, there's just other guys I can get more excited about than Cam Akers, especially given the history of Achilles. So look, if some of these Achilles guys come back and they start beating me and because I faded them, I'll, I'll just tip my cap and, and readjust. But right now, that's not an injury I like dealing with. Well, you me. make a good point during strategy season, right? You have to know which players you're in on and which players you're out on, and you have to have a reasoning. And if you don't, then you get in that wishy-washy space where you hate your team and you're not really sure what you're doing. So <laughs> it's good to like have an idea, especially you and I recorded that mistakes episode, the mistakes we made. So you're not going to talk yourself into acres. I have, um, mostly because, you know, I look at the way McVeigh leans on a single running back backfield Absolutely. and is acres going to be as explosive? No, but in that offense, is there enough opportunity and litness? That's a real word, a technical term, by the way, um, <laughs> to make like up for the lack of efficiency. I think so. And I just see him plummeting to me so much that again, he's also in that like, RB 20 yeah, to 26 dead zone. Dead dude, zone. Yeah. Like who, who, who are you out of curiosity before we move over to uh, talking about, actually this might be a good segue because we're going to talk about running back committees next. So who in that dead zone are you more, do you find yourself drafting more regularly? And I, I'm trying to avoid most of them, but I'll tell you, I have, I'm, I'm souring a little bit on Eli Mitchell. I, I just look shitty. Souring? souring yes. okay. I, 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 I draft him a lot early in best ball season and then you just start worrying about some of the reports out of there that so he I, I'm a little lower on Eli Mitchell but he was a guy who look he's followed to at a point Shandy loved him last year and he was really productive can he stay healthy for a year that's the big question I don't know if you consider this guy a dead zone guy but James Connors my dude this year look if I was just to just totally give you this resume okay Liz this is who he is Unquestioned number one. He's going to get about 85, 90% of the snaps. He's in a good offense. Last year, look at his last five or six games. He had a huge spike in receiving. So he's not a zero receiver. I think he had a 55, 60 catch season with Pittsburgh too. He has a track record with Pittsburgh too. Very good player. Like this isn't a guy who just came out of nowhere is going to disappear. Let me ask you this. If it's not James Conner in Arizona, who the heck is it? Who who are you betting on in Arizona to get any carries from him? They paid him in the offseason, I think $7 million a year, which is legitimate running back money. James, if we're just so scared of regression. Everybody talks about You're regression. Right. That that he had he had 18 touchdowns last year. He can't repeat that. And everybody doesn't want to be the square, right? You want to yep. be the sharp You're guy. Right. You don't want to be where you know, what's he regressing to? I, I of course he's gonna regress. What is he regressed to 10 touchdowns? That's a huge step down. 10 touchdowns for an unquestioned number one back and a great offense still has value in the late third round where I find myself getting him. I think that's fat. I mean, you are, you hit the nail on the head. The first thought that I, that happened in my brain that, that manifested itself in my brain when you said James Conner was, I was like, Oh, regression. And you hit the nail on the head. Nobody wants to pay peak price. We're always looking for next year's James Conner, right? Unless it's a more proven asset. And you know, the argument against Conner is that 2021 was antithetical to the rest of the data we've had at our avail in terms of durability and staying on the field. But also there was a change of scenery and maybe that was enough to switch the data and we'll see more um, sustainable production from him. That is an intriguing option. I will say that I, I am liking Miles Sanders in that in yeah, that general like range. Was probably For regression because he's going to regress to a positive touchdown, yeah. or you know, I mean, there's <laughs> yeah, zero chance sure. he's going to get zero touchdowns. Again, let's put it. Yeah, Miles said I, I completely get on board with that, Liz. All right, well, let's talk about these like running back by committees. You know, when a team has two running backs that are both fantasy relevant and they form this committee, how do you go about picking which one you want to target in drafts? And let's have a couple of examples because sometimes if someone's listening in their car, they're like, "Well, who would that be?" And I'm going to mention obviously Cleveland, right? You've got Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt. Baltimore, I mentioned J.K. Dobbins a little bit earlier. I'm probably, P.S., spoiler alert, too high on him. Don't care. Uh, and number three, San Francisco, who you mentioned. But let's start with Cleveland because I think that's the most – there's no debating that Hunt and Chubb are both fantasy relevant and that Chubb could be so much more productive if Hunt weren't um, a thorn in his side. So as you're drafting, how do you discern between the two? I, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I just pass both. I hate to say it, but you know, you talk about the price you got to pay, especially for Chubb. Let's talk about Chubb because Hunt is a little cheaper. I, I could talk myself into that, but you know, with him, Chubb, it's, you're always left wanting more. He's such a great back. He is a fantastic running back. 
I think he's he's at the top of the list as far as runners go, but he's never going to have that full opportunity. Hunt you know, cuts into that. So any of these guys, I mean, we're going to talk about Javante and Melvin Gordon. We're going to, you know, I mean, but sometimes it can work out. We were just like our good friends, Evan Silva and Sigmund Bloom. I was just listening to their show that they did a couple weeks ago. And Sigmund said, really, I thought this was really smart. He said, why can't the answer be both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon? These guys could both have relevance, but it just gets to the price point where, especially Javante, because Javante is such a hot button guy. The price you're paying for Javante, it's like, whoa. Well, really let's good? not get to we Javante. Just, just, let's, let's save it. Let's I, okay, save. we'll just we we'll stick with I'm sorry, getting ahead okay, of myself a little bit. I know, I know. I want it because I, I really do want to talk. I think I get more questions about Javante Williams than any other player, not just any other running back, on Twitter, in DMs, all the time. So that's a much discussed. But let's save that a little bit. I, I just okay. pulled some stats from Cleveland that support the argument you're making in terms of just passing and Chubb not being able to be given the full opportunity. Last year, I think we're going to see – you know, obviously, like the Deshaun Watson situation is exhausting and we'll have some answers and not answers. And I do think at this point we can probably prepare to have an offense that runs at least for the beginning third, maybe half of the season that runs very similarly to how it was run last year in terms of passing opportunities and leaning on the run. And I looked at the numbers because Hunt was limited to eight games in 2021, but Nick Chubb averaged just over 16 carries per contest, regardless of whether Hunt was on the field or not. Their splits were like 16.1 carries per game when he was on versus off, a 16.3 when he was on. So Hunt, I mean, Chubb is seeing 16 carries a game. Like, this is what we know we can expect. And, you know, he picked up a couple of extra targets here and there, but nothing to make any sort of dent or positive production to make a difference. So like, we know what Chubb, Chubb is going to give you, you mentioned, I think he's the best pure rusher in the league. Andy Behrens has said that, I completely agree with him. Normally talent is the tiebreaker, but in this situation, because we've seen what we're going to get for three consecutive years, we can project, you know, uh, he's going to average between five and five and a half yards per carry and 14 to 16 fantasy points per game. End done story. Right. And, and, and something that also goes into the Cleveland situation specifically is when we talk about these guys, a lot of times you'll always hear, well, if this guy gets hurt, if Aaron Jones gets hurt, A.J. Dillon's a top five guy. Cleveland has Dearness Johnson, who is a very good, good running back. He is talented. If you watch especially that Broncos game last year, if if Hunt goes down, it's not like Chubb gets 80 percent of the carries. They're just going to say, we're going to keep you about 16. And Dearness Johnson's going to pick up Hunt's role. So you're never, unless there's multiple injuries and a shift in philosophy in Cleveland, we're never going to see Nick Chubb be this 25-carry game guy. He's never going to get that Jonathan Taylor role. And that's why I always end up passing on him, even though I love the talent, love the player. You could try to talk yourself into, hey, if it's Jacoby Brissett, they're going to hand the ball off 40 times. I just still can't find myself at the price point talking myself into Nick Chubb. What about, since you mentioned it, Aaron Jones to AJ Dillon. I'll say for my part, I am more actively drafting Aaron Jones. Again, the Yahoo standard is half point PPR. And I think given the number of, of targets that have been vacated on the offense and noting that uh, to quote Scott Pianowski, that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a circle of trust guy. And we know Aaron Jones is in that circle of trust. I just think that there's a higher floor, especially given because of AJ Dillon's rise, like, Jones you can find in in the second round. I don't mind making him my anchor running back. Doesn't bother me either. I think he's really good. I find myself more, I like to grab the running back in the first round because I really like Dalvin Cook. I think he's a little underrated this year. And then going receiver in the second round is usually Mike Evans. That's who I, depending who falls to me or whatever. Let me ask you this. So this is very, this is a little bit bigger picture. Would you draft both? Would you, if you draft Aaron Jones in the second round and you find yourself like, all of a sudden, A.J. Dillon's my best player available on the board. A few rounds later, would you find yourself with both? Because my best team, my main league that I've done for years and years with my buddy, co-owner, we drafted Zeke in the first round. I know it's a very sad story. <laughs> but we got to about, we got to a point in the middle rounds where Pollard had just slipped so far that we ended up drafting him. We won our league. And it, was, it wasn't a handcuff situation. It was, okay, Zeke has this, this value. Pollard's also a flex play. And yes, if something happens, one of the two, we have a, a, an absolute stud. It's not how I drew it up, but it did work. What do you feel about, hey, we got a committee. I'm just going to draft both of these guys because they can both have standalone value. Well, not noting exactly where or what position I might, because I haven't I haven't mocked A.J. Dillon at all 
yet in all of the mocks I've done. I haven't selected him. And I'm wondering if it's because I'm just swerving positions at that point. But I will say my gut answer is I don't mind stacking. I love stacking. I don't know if I want to stack on a team that has that many question marks this year, though. You know, like that's that's fair. Mm -hmm. That is because the stacks when you have an Aaron Rodgers offense are not as cheap as when you want to stack, like Salfino mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Jets, right? Like that's a cheap upside stack. Fine. Do I want to stack Justin Herbert and the Chargers? Sure. Do I want to stack Derek Carr at his value with Devontae Adams and maybe even Darren Waller? Yes. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and A.J. Dillon, that's a lot of emphasis on a team with a lot of question marks that you're not getting discounts on. Yeah, uh, and and I agree with you there. I I do. I'm just saying, the one thing I do like about this specific Green Bay question is these two guys have much different skill sets. You can see Aaron Jones kind of being the receiving guy. He's going to catch, he could catch 75 balls this year. It wouldn't surprise any of us. Still having some running value where A.J. Dillon is the hammer in a bad division. He comes in, he'll end up getting his 18 carries a game because they're trying to salt away a game in the fourth quarter and both could have value. You could play both legitimately in your lineup at any time. It's just an interesting, it's hard because you get to a point in the draft where, okay, A.J. Dillon's the top guy on my board, but I already got Aaron Jones. What do I do here? It's it's tough to punch that ticket on A.J. Dillon too because like you said, it, it is an offense with some questions and you're you're basically double-tapping both of their running backs. It, it's very rare for that to work out in a great way. I have Jones projected for 12 total touchdowns this season. I can um, see that. Yeah, that's fair. You know, even if how many catches? Six, how many catches do you think? Probably. I'm like, what would I? Sixty. Yeah, that's about. That's exactly what I was going to say. With an upside, with it, with an upside yeah. to do seventy-five. Like, I, I think that that's easily his ceiling because we've seen those splits when Devontae wasn't in the lineup. Aaron Jones is a guy like you. Like you know, you mentioned P and He's he's in Aaron Rodgers' circle of trust. And who else is in that offense? Right. Right. Especially the receiving options. Do we want it really quickly um, before we move to the Broncos? Because I mentioned Baltimore. How is the Dobbins news, this latest like Rappaport report, uh, the Ian Rappaport tweet and the Dobbins comeback and his knee situation along with the, I think it, I was going to say, I think that that adds clarity to the backfield, but in fact, that's wrong. I think it only further muddies the discussion around the backfield, Gus Edwards being paid money, Mike Davis theoretically there, but who's excited about 3.1 yards per carry, Snoop Connor, eh, <laughs> it's hard to get excited about that. So it feels like J.K. Dobbins is going to be the guy. And my take is that people are going to get freaked out about the knee and they're going to pull back and then I will lean into it because at the end of the day, we are talking running backs. And if Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry are going in the first round, and we can get ourselves to do that regardless of the volatility, then I will take a chance on J.K. Dobbins' volatility. It's totally fair. That's a, You're going to end up with a lot of J.K. Dobbins in yeah. our league we're in together because um, I, I just go opposite. I just Once we're this far removed from the injury and you're still hearing, like, maybe he's not available week one, his price would have to drop a lot. Now, I get I, I, you could Every argument you could make for J.K. Dobbins, I was telling myself two months ago, I've just eased back a little bit because, man, that is scary to think we're we're far removed now. Like this isn't one of those where you, you know, like we're talking about James Robinson doing the latency. He does this in training camp. He's still not one hundred percent. That that scares me. Now he's a guy who training camp reports in the preseason one hundred percent could change my view. Like if he if he's practicing, if he's okay, okay, I'll, I'll move him straight back to where you have him probably, and we'll be battling it out for J.K. Dobbins draft season. But right now, I, I just have to. It's just. Again, as I, I'll, I'll, you know, talk about P&O again, he always says injury optimism isn't your friend. It took me a long time to learn that lesson. I just have to, right now he's back on J.K. Dobbins and see where we are in a few weeks when I start doing my redrafts. I agree. Training camp um, reports, many of them, not just this one, are going to be important. That's a drumbeat. Let's, let's, let's tag that as like a drumbeat to pay attention to, whether it's a positive or negative drumbeat before we go ahead and draft when most people do, you know, we're, we're weirdos who start drafting in June, but everybody else. Right. In August. Yeah, yeah, I have a few best ball drafts under my belt. Yeah. So it, it, it's a sickness. I'll say that. So is your um, apprehension about Mitchell similarly attached to the durability concerns then as well? A little bit. Yes. Because now the drumbeat, like you talked about all you know, we're hearing like, okay, Shani doesn't know if he can stay healthy. Shani maybe just sees him as a big play guy and TDP is going to take over some carries. So that's a that's what something... Look, those beat writers are great. The 49ers, you know, there are certain beat writers around the NFL where you are like, I completely trust this crew of guys. 49ers one of those groups. They, they have a great group of beat writers. So yes, I'll be paying a lot of attention in August to see 
kind of how this shakes out. I just, Eli was so good last year. And I remember when he got hurt, he came back and Shandy just gave him basically like you're back to 75, 80%. So that, yes. that to me was a circle of trust thing and he has it, but now you're hearing, well, they don't know if Eli can stay durable, all this kind of stuff. I, I just, mm, it's, it's, it gets a little scary, but, but the price is fine on Eli. So if, if Eli is the guy, if TDP doesn't work out like Trey Sermon didn't work out and they just say, you know, Eli was really good last year. Let's give him the same role he had last year. He is an absolute smash where he's going ADP wise. Just to contextualize for the listeners what you said about Eli Mitchell coming back, because right now we're imagining that Eli Mitchell is going to be the RB1 at some capacity and Jeff Wilson is to be the backup behind him. Different skill sets. We know that Wilson is the like, you know, I, I read a vulture. quote. Vulture. You yeah. say it. He's the vulture. <laughs> vulture. Well, I read a quote <laughs> from Wilson when he first came out of college and he was like, I see my, my job is to spot a hole and run through it. And I was like, yep, that's exactly what he does, <laughs> you know, to like plunge into the goal line. And I looked at last year and after the first 10 weeks of the season, when Wilson came back and in the games in which Mitchell was also on the field, three of the five games in which Mitchell and Wilson were on the field at the same time, Wilson recorded zero rushing attempts and Mitchell never, never saw fewer than 21 carries in all of those five contests from weeks 11 to 18. Now, I know that that's more games than five, but again, Mitchell was in and out of the lineup a little bit. Wilson was on the field the whole time, though. Zero. He recorded the RB2 for 2022, recorded zero carries in three of the five games they were on the field for. That is a circle of trust. And the last thing I want to mention, and maybe this is a little bit too, like, you know, uh, couch psychologist, and I'm overthinking, but hell, this is supposed to be fun, so let me play detective. I think Kyle Shanahan is smart to say, you know, I don't know if he can stay healthy. Kyle Shanahan has a type. We all know what Kyle Shanahan's type. Kyle Shanahan's out of the club, and I can tell you which girl he's going to talk to. It is so obvious. Not the one who looks like Trey Sermon. No, no. But this is like when you have when I have my girlfriends, and I'm like, you know, you keep going for the same guy, and I can tell you how this is going to end. And every you know, so often before we go out, I'm not going to look at him. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But then they can't help themselves. They just end up, it's like ingrained. I think that Kyle Shanahan is showing growth by saying, I recognize I have a problem, but I don't know when the games start, if he can help himself from the like explosive cut X, one cut kind of like littler guys that just rack up all that yak. Yeah, and he was, Eli was so good last year. He was really good. And hey, I, look, I covered Mike for a long time, his dad. M Mike Shanahan knew how to play mind games in the media. And, you know, putting that out there of, hey, we don't know if Eli can stay durable. That might be a message to the kid. Hey, you know, you could lose your job pretty easily around here. So we'll see. I, he's a guy who I, I could find myself pushing back up my draft board, you know, if we get some pretty good, pretty good coverage on him in August and everything looks good and they trust him and all that kind of stuff. Again, we, it, we're talking about this in late July and it's fun and all that, but so much can change in the next month as preseason and training camps get going. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, so now you mentioned Mike Shanahan. That seems like the perfect opportunity to dive in on these Denver Broncos. I like this This preview team preview that we're doing every week on the Yahoo fantasy football forecast, by the way, I think this is fun that every team gets a little bit of a spotlight. You're doing it on Yahoo sports on the website and you wrote a preview. I believe you uh, just unveiled the Cincinnati Bengals. Is that right? Can you tell us about the series? Yes. One per day, uh, every day for, I believe we start June 20th. It's in depth. Every team just, I treat them like they're my child for a day look in and out everything I could read about them, watch, watch some games from last year, watch, you know, go through the stats, everything. The, yes, we just did. I think the chargers were today. 
Broncos were last week. I, I kind of regret having them where I did. I think I had them number 11. I could see I, I could see them being a lot better than 11 with Russ because I'm a Russ believer. So Al Toby's no, making you grind on an article this deep every day. You're writing one of these once a day. I do it. I do it in spite of Al. I think Al is like, oh, this is too long. But I just slip him in when he's sleeping. It's, it's OK. But yeah, so I, the previous series, I love it because, you know, why Liz? It, whenever I start doing the previews, I'm like, football's close. Football's getting here. And, you know, so, yes, the the Broncos, the Broncos, once I started digging into that team, I'm like, this team has all the ingredients to be really, really good this season. And they're, it's really exciting around here in Colorado. And they are brand new, which was an excellent point that I've not heard anybody make in your article. Subtractions, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Noah Fant additions on defense, DJ Jones and Randy Gregory, <laughs> pretty big. And, of course, quarterback addition of Russell Wilson. Those are the on-the-field changes, but there have been a lot of changes. Oh, my gosh, ownership changes and also coaching changes. We've got Nathaniel Hackett coming over from Green Bay along with uh, Justin Outen, who was, I believe, previously the tight ends coach in Green Bay. Hackett, long relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers did a wonderful job of talking him up, kind of added to the speculation a couple of months ago that Rodgers was going to come to Denver, in fact, because of that move that Hackett made. So how are you envisioning what this offense might look like given all of the newness? This is a little bit of a guess, but you read between the tea leaves on what Hackett has said. And he has basically said a few times this offseason, this is Russ's offense. We are going to tailor this thing around Russell Wilson, which, by the way, it should be the most obvious thing in the world. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback, but somebody give the memo to Pete Carroll. He could never figure that out. But I think that part of the appeal for all of this between the Broncos, between Russell Wilson was let Russ cook finally. Like we've heard this a million times. It's actually going to happen this year where they're going to say, look, you're a Hall of Fame quarterback. You do you. Yes, yeah, so there's going to be ties to run the ball and all that kind of stuff. But I think this is going to be a high-volume season for Russell Wilson with a lot of guys around him who can catch the ball. A coach who just came from Aaron Rodgers, another great quarterback. I think this is the year Russell Wilson set some career highs, and he's in an MVP race. We've, we've heard a million times already. Russell Wilson's never gotten an MVP vote. I think that could change this year. I think he could win it, even if everything breaks right Everything is set up for us to have just a monster season. And it starts with a coach who's saying, and I think part of this is 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 almost a mental thing with Russell Wilson. I think Hackett is understands people well enough to know he can he could egg on Russell Wilson by saying, Hey, we're gonna let you do whatever you want to do. Whatever you couldn't do in Seattle while they're holding you back, we are gonna let you do. You're gonna have the best season of your career. And I think a guy like Russell Wilson just is gonna eat that up. 100%. And also, if we look at the division, there is going to be fireworks. Like, this is what I think the, oh, it used there to be could the be NFC some 42, West. Now it's the games. AFC yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? We're going to see a lot of garbage stats. There, there's going to be so much. I mean, there's going to be times when teams are down. Yeah, you're going to see 40 point games. I don't want to say regularly, but we're going to see a lot of them in the AFC West. I also think that maybe at this point in his career, because as you were talking, I was like, well, what, when, when Russell Wilson first came onto the scene, obviously his mobility from a fantasy standpoint was one of the best selling points. But he has run less and less every year. Last year was a career low, not just because he missed some time with a finger injury, but, you know, he's aging and his skill set is adjusting and he has one of the most beautiful, accurate deep balls in the business. So he doesn't need to rely on his legs maybe as much. I mean, he always had a gorgeous deep ball, but like, you know, I, I think Russell Wilson's a great example of a player who is allowing their skill set to evolve and also staying aware of what their body can and can't do. And so we're going to see fewer rushing, less rushing production, a lot of play action. I, I do think they're going to lie. A lot of play action, a lot of like trickery, like, is he going to run? Is he going to run? Like, ah, but ultimately, I, th I think probably in those situations, given the uh, weapons at his disposal, Russ is probably going to end up passing more times than not. Yeah, m much less of a proactive rusher, but still reactive rusher. He could still hurt you if you're, if you're going to play man against him and he sees a, a crease on third and eight. He can still run for the first down. He's still got that in his bag. It's just, you're right. If you're drafting Russell Wilson fantasy, you should not be expecting the 500-yard Russell Wilson we saw years ago. Like that, that guy just isn't here anymore, but he could put up, 4,800 yards passing. I really believe that. I think he could have a monster season passing the ball because he still has that. And I think the one thing he does have athletically is he can still, 
buy himself time in the pocket. He could still keep his eyes downfield as he's doing it. He still has that part. He's just not a guy they're going to call many. They might not call any runs for him this year. It's just not part of Russell Wilson's game anymore. He saw a little bit of value on it with his legs, but just don't expect Yeah, don't expect those spike weeks like we used to get with Russell Wilson. Where it's like, oh, hey, three rushing touchdowns. Thanks, Russ. I just won my week. Let me ask you an either or for fantasy production. Would you rather... I know the answer to this, I think, but I'm going to start with this one in case uh, listeners are a little bit behind. Would you rather draft Russell Wilson or Tom Brady? Uh, Russell. I, I just... I, I know. I I hate I hate to do this whole, he's 45, what it, but he is, and at some point, it's just not going to work without no Gronk, and we don't know what Godwin's going to give. So, yeah, I have, I have Wilson ahead of Brady, and Brady's probably going to prove me wrong because he has for like... 28 straight years or however long he's been playing. So current ADP, Wilson is going one spot behind Brady to contextualize again. It makes sense. Yeah. Would you mm-hmm. rather draft Jalen Hurts or Russell Wilson? I, I think Hurts just because the upside is a little higher. Because the rushing, the rushing is so huge in our game. You know, I mean. So then you think I, Hurts I is Jay- keeping his job? I do, I do. And I think that he's one of those guys you're going to have to pair. That's the difference. Russell Wilson, you draft Russell Wilson, he's your guy. You don't even need to worry about backup. You draft Jalen Hurts, you kind of do. You got to be sure to get Trevor Lawrence in the 12th round or wherever you're going to get. You got you to prioritize that a little bit more. But you could also kind of have Gardner Minshew. I've seen a little bit of buzz at Gardner Minshew. Oh, Brandon, Scott Pianowski's list. I mean, I can hear him clapping all the way from Detroit. He's feeling the energy. Absolutely. If Jalen Hurts loses his job, Gardner Mitchell's a viable dude, and you could get him for not, literally nothing right now if you want to play that way. I just think when you look at the rush, look, we all know it's a cheat code, blah, blah, blah. Hurts, if he could put it together passing the ball to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, look, Jalen Hurts has 19 career starts. We don't know what he is as an NFL passer yet. I, I'm not completely blown away. I don't think he's going to throw for 5,000 yards or anything, but could he take a step forward to match with the rushing? Yes, and that's why I'd take him out of Russ. Talk about the backfield. Like I mentioned, Javante Williams, most asked about player in fantasy in terms of people reaching out to me. Um, and what do you say? I want to know. Because I, I need to know the answer to this, Liz. I, I want to know what you tell these people. I think, so I was on Melvin Gordon last year. Took him as a value in a lot of places. Worked out pretty well uh, in the leagues that I did do that. I think that we're probably going to see something similar again this year. I, I think that we can love Javante Williams. But if we aren't, as you said earlier, being what an injury optimistic, like Melvin Gordon has not shown us that he is breaking down anytime soon. He missed one game due to a hip injury. And the next week, so the week that he missed with that hip injury, Javante Williams went off 23 carries, huge. All the truthers were like cheering. The next week when Melvin came back, off of a hip injury, he carried the ball 24 times. Admittedly, that was against Detroit, but still 24 times. This is going to be a timeshare. I went through and did the projections. In 2021, Javante Williams averaged 11.9 carries per game and 2.5 catches per game. I will project him for just over 13 carries per game and 2.7 catches per game, but we're a little bit of a bump but nothing that makes me want to draft him in the top 10 at the position. Absolutely. And I think, it, again, we I, I mentioned this a lot. It all comes down to price. And we're just saying, like, you, and I think that's reasonable. I think it's absolutely reasonable to say, Javante, about 13, 14 carries a game. Can I have that for my early second-round pick? Like, a mid-second round? No, I can't. Like, And for those the people out there who are like, well, Melvin Gordon gets hurt, what if Javante gets hurt? What is Javante? Like, we never talk about the opposite of this, right? If Javante yeah. gets hurt, Melvin Gordon all of a sudden is a top 15 back, right? Like, yes. if you look at profile, and not the pro football focus is the be all end all, but I, you know, I do look at it. It's a, it's, it is a data point. Melvin Gordon had a higher PFF grade than Javante Williams last year. I think, it, I think Melvin was 16, Javante was 19. They were very similar in a lot of explosive runs and stuff like that. Melvin Gordon was good last year. As much as even I was sitting here saying, why didn't you play Javante more? Why didn't you play? It's because Melvin Gordon was good. There's no reason that's going to go away. He was a good back last year in real-life football. Regardless of what we think about him as a fantasy dude, he was, there's no reason even a new coaching staff is going to say, sure, Javante, go 80% of the carries, because they're going to look and say, you know what? Melvin was really productive last year. They brought this guy back for a reason. I, I'm with you. I don't think, I don't think again, injuries happen, but they're unpredictable. If it stays as is, I don't see it being maybe 55-45, best-case scenario for Javante. And 
you're banking on your second round pick getting a boost because of injury. That's not a game I like to play. No. And, and when you think about every, all of the shade that Melvin Gordon caught early in his career in then San Diego, everybody was was whining about his YPC, right? He's not efficient, but he's, you're just chasing touchdown. He's just a goal line guy. Well, guess what? He's real good at that. And he remains, that is very on brand for his skill set. Last year, he was used at the goal line much more frequently than Williams. He was top 12 in red zone touches, eight goal line looks. And it makes sense if you have an older guy on a cheap one-year deal, you are going to protect your more expensive, younger asset from the brutality at the goal line and let this guy who's made a living off of goal line plunges do his damn thing. And I again, you know, you're not chasing touchdowns, but you are, like I said with ETN, I'm factoring away the touchdowns here. You got to fact and that's and ETN's going, you know, in the 25, 23 range. So for me, I don't think I can get there, and this is below other people's projections. I can't get there on 10 rushing touchdowns for Williams. I can get to 8, I can get the 9. If I if somebody said, you know, over under nine and a half rushing touchdowns for Javante Williams. I'm going to take the under. It's close, but I'm going to take the under. And that to me is enough to make me pass on him where he's going. Right. And again, it's, it's, it's all about price. Like you're saying, well, if an injury happens, this guy could be a top 10 guy. I, I could say that about Khalil Herbert and get him in the 14th round. You know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm he's not drafted. Oh, he is a great like, your RB target though. I oh, love he's Herbert. Great, great, great. I, yeah. I love Herbert too. Uh, it's, it, it's just one of those things where the price is just too high for the projectable volume with Javante. Now it could look new coaching staff could be like, whatever Javante's the man we're going to put him in 80% of the snaps. I just, why would that happen? I, I don't know what could possibly, when you look at the tape, they're going to see, yeah, Javante's really good. So let's Melvin Gordon. Why don't we use both of these guys? I, I don't see there being a, a reasonable explanation other than if Melvin Gordon gets hurt, that Javante's going to be worth the, his draft price right now. And if Hackett is coming from the LaFleur coaching tree, we've seen LaFleur use a 60-40 committee since well before A.J. Dillon was a household name. You know, even when uh, Williams was in Green Bay and Aaron Jones was sharing time with him, whenever... Uh, Williams was healthy and Jones was at the same time they were in a 60-40 snap split. Absolutely. So I, I think that there's nothing that shows me that Hackett is going to lean on a single running running back backfield in his pedigree or at, given the talent at their disposal or the money that they're spending on these guys. So it's it, Bron the Broncos is so – I understand why you like liked doing this preview because there are so many um, question marks to dig into and – weird like it's like a maze of opportunity and we're all just guessing but the reason it remains such a fascinating like so, not just such a fascinating endeavor to 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 think about but also to invest in because we know there's going to be something we just got to figure out who it is we know there is going to be like fantasy platinum to mine here and so that leads me to the wide receivers because again we got options yeah, I, I, again, I need to ask you about this because I'm stumped. Because uh, look, if you got Cooper Cup versus Robert Woods right last year, I didn't probably won <laughs> so, your league. If you so got Debo Samuel versus Brandon Ayuk right last year, you might have won your league. If you get Cortland Sutton versus Jerry Judy right, you might win your league. Like that, I, I one of these guys, maybe both, but I really truly believe one of these guys is going to blow up. I'm more on the Sutton side. I think he's a more bankable guy right now. He has a really really good season. Under his belt in the NFL, another year removed from the ACL injury, it slowed him down a little bit. Now he has a legitimate quarterback to throw to. I like everything about Cortland Sutton and what he can do, but I think people have given up on Jerry Judy way too quickly. He showed some things as a rookie. Like He wasn't great as a rookie. He wasn't Justin Jefferson or anything, but he was fine. He showed some things as a rookie. Then week one last year, he suffers a high ankle sprain. Okay, that ruins his whole season. Like, why, why are we holding... Jerry Judy's second year this much against him. I know he wasn't good, but high ankle sprain is no joke. You're never rebounding from that over a course of a football season. It doesn't surprise me at all that Jerry Judy was slowed all year. He could come back and be Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett. Why not? Why can't he have some kind of rapport like that with a guy, really a big play guy at all three levels? I, I still like Jerry Judy's upside, and I have I grabbed him in a couple of drafts so far, but I'm more leaning towards Sutton, but that price is going up. That price, yeah. look, if you're if you're investing in Cortland Sutton, the secret's out. No, but I, I drafted Cortland Sutton over, I, I actually wanted to draft Cortland Sutton over DK Metcalf in the best ball I was having. 
And somebody jumped me and drafted Cortland Sutton ahead of DK Metcalf. So that's how high he's going now. And I, I don't know that it's wrong, but figuring out this puzzle a receiver could end up being a difference in the league. So I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like Jerry Judy could be Tyler Lockett. He's the slot guy who can also do some damage on the outside. Um, a little more timing based, right? But we believe that Russell Wilson has the anticipation and skill necessary to make all of those things work out. And we know that Judy is a precise route runner and he has the technique to to meld here. But Cortland Sutton could be DK Metcalf. And yep. that mm-hmm. is the and that's the other piece of it. It's like, well, do I want to invest in the Cortland Sutton DK Metcalf opportunity? Especially we talked about the deep ball that Russell Wilson has. Wow. Cortland Sutton now has an opportunity given his like outside X receiver role in this offense to absolutely sky. Like I haven't projected for 80 grabs, 1100 yards and eight touchdowns. That's conservative. I think. Yeah, I think it is too. Yeah. He could easily be a double digit touchdown guy. Why not? Like, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got the talent. He's already shown it. This isn't a guy like Jerry Judy. We're kind of projecting. We're being like, okay, he was a first round pick Alabama, all this stuff. But we still haven't seen him play at that level. We've seen Sutton play at that level. He has played at a very, very high level. A lot worse quarterback play. I really like Sutton. I, I, I do want to show, throw a shout out too. Tim Patrick might be the most underrated receiver in the league. So maybe and that's I, the answer. If you're talking stacks, I draft Jerry Judy at a value, and then I draft Tim Patrick later because of Cortland Sutton. If if we're talking about if someone gets hurt on this office, I want to hear about Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. If Cortland Sutton gets hurt, Tim Patrick, who they just paid in November – Let's yep, not forget. Because he's a very good player. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He now becomes the DK Metcalf light light. Yeah, and you can get him into double digit rounds, yep. and it's yeah, it, it's very much so. And I, you know, Josh Palmer's gotten a lot of uh, for the Chargers, gotten a lot of buzz this offseason about hey, if either one of these guys gets hurt, the opportunity opens up in a great offense. Same is true for Tim Patrick, and he's a very good player. So you're right. And even if Judy, look, if Judy goes out, Tim Patrick's not not an apples to apples guy, but it opens up a lot of snaps and a lot of targets and. They'd find a way to get Tim Patrick on the field because he's a very good football player. All right, last player. Let's talk about Alberto. Everybody loves Alberto. Some weird reports, though, that uh, he might get some competition from the rookie. I think that's an interesting report. I'm not putting a lot of stock into it because, again, when we look at the data at our disposal, we know what happens to uh, freshman tight ends in their first you know, pro season. So I am high on Alberto. I think he might be the most consistent of these options that we're talking about from a receiving or pass catching standpoint. Uh, I did do some stat digging. Noah Fant recorded a target share of 18.3%. That's tight end 910 in 2020 and 2021. So same target share back to back years, top 10 numbers. Last year when he was on the field, Fant was on the field with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. He averaged five looks per contest. Give me Albert O at 55 grabs and five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair for the price. Sure. Why not? He could, you could, you're spending nothing on tight end at that point. You're getting a viable guy week in and week out. Athleticism off the charts. The only thing I worry about with Albert O versus other guys, like I really like Komet because I just think the positive touchdown regression has to be coming sometime. Girl. The Bears have. I just got back have. from Chicago, girl. Everybody, <laughs> let me tell you, everybody in Arlington Heights is very excited. Even though Mayor Lightfoot just announced something today, wanting to keep Soldier Field in or like keep the Bears at Soldier Field downtown. I would. Cole Komet is from Arlington Heights. There is a very large chance that the Bears moved to Arlington Park, which was formerly Arlington Park, the racetrack in Arlington Heights. I just landed from Chicago yesterday. I cannot tell you how excited the people of the Northwest suburbs are for the Bears and Cole Komet. Can you Cole imagine? You Everyone go. wants to talk about Cole Komet. He's a hometown hero, could be playing like, like awesome. three miles from his high school. Right. And the reason I like him at drafts this year is because who's the target competition? They got Mooney, but whatever. With Albert O, well, okay, Cortland's going to eat. Judy's going to get his. They got to run the ball. Even Tim Patrick's going to get some. Is there really enough to sustain a tight end one in that offense? Maybe. I'm not I'm not discounting it. I'm a little have Albert O on some teams, but before you you really invest in that, you got to at least acknowledge that he might get lost in the offense a little bit, not to mention that if Greg Dulcich is really good out of the gates as a rookie, which is unlikely, but even if he cuts a little bit at Albert O's production, let's say the rookie catches 25 balls. Well, 
it's not like Albert O is slated for 75 and he's going to cut down to 50. I mean, like you said, if it goes from 50 to, you know, 35, that means he's not relevant anymore. So that's the only thing keeping me from really being on the Albert O train is there's a lot of miles to feed in that offense and he might not get what we want to volume wise. There's other guys in that range of Irv Smith and all that who I, I like a little bit better, but I'll probably have a few Albert O shares just because I think the talent is there and now he's with a Hall of Fame quarterback and that's not a bad thing to bet on. I mean, that's ultimately it, right? Like, we are all finding ways to invest in pieces of this Broncos offense under its new iteration. Like, whether it's Jerry Judy for somebody at a, at a perceived value, whether it's Javante Williams because you're all in, everybody wants a piece of this offense and for good reason. And now the fun part is deciding where you can get the most bang for your buck. Yep, and as, and as you, you spoke through that, I'm sitting here saying, yeah, maybe I need to bump Russ up a little bit because if we like all these pieces, then, you know, Russ is really going to eat this year, right? Like that's going to happen and he might have a monster year because I, and at PNL, when I did the, the Broncos preview and he wrote his blurb, he said, I, I'm all in on Russell Wilson as my quarterback this year. I might get there too, just because man, he could really, really have a monster year. And trust me, I've never, I've lived in Colorado 19 years now. I've never seen off season with this much excitement. That includes the Peyton Manning years. I, this is, this is as excited I've seen the Broncos fan base, and I think for good reason. They're, Russ is a legit dude. He's going to have a big time year. I have him at QB8. I have him ahead of Dak Prescott, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And the I improvement in the I, offensive as, as line. Talk about the, right, as much as we talk about the Cowboys offense and all the weapons they have, if we're going player by player, the, the Broncos might exceed them now. Like, if we're talking about, like, well, who are you compared Judy to Michael Gallup coming off an ACL? Mm, okay, running game? I don't know. They got two good running backs in Denver, too. They got an offensive line that, you know, at least can compete now with Dallas's current iteration of this offensive line after losing two starters. So I don't know that Dallas Cowboys necessarily have that much of a better of a supporting cast if that's your argument for Dak over Russell Wilson. And I, they Russ have is, the, yeah, Russ they have the washed, the washed coaching staff from Green Bay instead of the, uh, Hot it's young coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I just think, yes, you're right. When you talk about people, you want to get in, involved with this Denver offense somehow, some way. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not against Melvin Gordon in the middle rounds. I'm not against Tim Patrick late. I'm not against Albert O. If you're punting on, t- on all the, the vanity tight ends, any one of these can work, and including Russell Wilson, who's a quarterback one. I, I, he's a set it and forget it guy this year. There you go. Denver Broncos, go get. One of them, maybe more of them. That's a team you might want to consider stacking. Russell Wilson, big year. Thank you, Frank Schwab, for giving us another big episode um, and a great series. Can you plug it one more time so everybody can keep track of it? Yeah, absolutely. Just my preview series uh, I, every morning, uh, every weekday until the Hall of Fame game. I come out with them. I think we got seven more to go. I've, uh, I've already written most of them. They're fun to do. They're all linked at the bottom of each preview. It, it's great. It, it's just, it rem- again, it reminds me that all this stuff, fantasy teams my bets my futures bets just watching the games it's all right around the corner liz how, how could you not be excited for football very excited for football very excited for the rest of your series again i just want our listeners to know read it it is such like if you're into cramming i have definitely read it and wrote notes off of it like oh that's a good point gonna use that credit <laughs> frank okay now so everybody uh go follow frank so you can follow this series as well and all of the things he does because let me tell you nobody works harder or more at Yahoo Sports than Mr. Frank Schwab. You can follow him, like I said, at Yahoo Schwab, S-C-H-W-A-B. And while you're there, you can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. And of course, the mothership at Yahoo Fantasy. Matt and Andy will be back later this week to talk about my on-again, off-again Chicago Bears. Until then, we are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.